welcome to The Stacey Ennis Show, a podcast about writing, solopreneurship, travel, and really about living the life you want. I am your host, Stacey Ennis, coming to you from the incredible country of Portugal. This week, I am joined by Amanda Turner, one of my dear friends and also somebody who I am just hugely impressed by in all facets of her life from the fact that she is a New York Times bestselling author, not once, but twice. And she has designed a really unique life for herself and for her family. They, uh, they've traveled all over the world. Amanda has gone to Greece, Scotland, France, Russia, Mexico, Morocco, Thailand last year when I lived there. And she, she does this all while living in Idaho with her husband and two children, but they make time to travel for extended lengths of time every year, at least once, and it seems like normally twice. So welcome, Amanda. I'm so glad to be here with you today. I'm so glad to be here with you. It's great to speak with you all the way over there in Portugal. I know, the magic of technology. Yep. So I'm trying to remember when we met. It seems like it's been... It's been a while now. It's been at it least like seven, seven, eight years. I was going to say seven years ago. Yeah. Um, I, you were organizing a contest and I was one of the judges. And that was one of the first times that we met. Oh, that. yeah. Oh, I remember. So yeah. I, I remember when I very first met you. And um, at the time, my, so my daughter, I, I might've been pregnant at the time when we met, mm -hmm. I'm thinking mm -hmm. with my first child and my husband and I were having all these conversations about moving to Thailand. this was like this big dream that we had. And I remember when I met you, you had this really cool kind of different approach to life and you would go on these trips with your kids all over the world. And I, I was really inspired by that. Um, and it's just very different than most people, especially where, where we're from in Boise. I love, love, love Boise. And I love the United States, but we, I, I think it's not that normal to go on multi-week and sometimes multi-month trips and really explore different countries with your children. So I'm curious to just hear a little bit about kind of what led you to that place. You know, how did you create this really unconventional life? Is this a mindset you always had? Was there a turning point? I'd just love to hear a little bit about that backstory. Well, I think both my husband and I bristle when somebody says, you can't do that. And so we traveled a lot together before we had kids. We worked in movies and television for a few years. So we lived all around the world at film sets. We traveled a lot. Um, and we, we also each traveled separately before we got together. I went to Russia when I was 15. Uh, he went to a maritime academy where summers were spent traveling a ship around the world. So we traveled a lot together as a couple. And then when we were ready to start a family, you know, there were a few people who said, well, you know, all this travel stuff you do, that'll have to come to an end. And, um, I remember my husband specifically just, uh, that just did not sit well with him at all. And so we kind of decided, okay, well, how can we, how can we continue this? And we did so 
like right away. Both of my daughters, their first passport pictures, they're like two weeks old. You know, it's just, they can't open their (laughs) eyes. They're just, yeah. So from the start, we've just tried to travel two to four months of every year. Um, COVID has reduced the time this year, but we're, we're still going to get out there. But, you know, it wasn't just about us wanting to travel, but also what can travel do for children? What is it like for a child to grow up exposed to different cultures, different languages? And, you know, some people will say, oh, kids need routine. Actually, that's not true. Um, Kids are super adaptable or they need routine in a different sense than how we as adults think of routine. So we just decided from the start, we were gonna find a way to make that happen. And in terms of mindset, a lot of it comes down to how you define wealth. We would have a lot more money in the bank account and nicer cars and more toys if we didn't take these trips. But to us, these experiences are more important than those things. So that's part of the mindset that goes into it. I love that so much. I mean, this is reminding me of a lot of the things that inspired me about your Vagabonding with Kids series. I remember reading, I think it was uh, maybe the, I can't remember if it was Alaska. It must have been the Alaska book where you take your, I can't remember which of your girls it was when she was just a very, very small baby um, on, you know, on this trip. And I just remember as a very new parent, cause I read it when my daughter was, was really young, my first child. And I, I really appreciated the way that you were willing to take all of the input and then make your own decision about what was right for your family. And I think that, you know, that approach had an impact, your approach of wanting to expose your children to the world that really resonated with me and influenced me as a parent. And um, I agree with you. I think that is such a valuable learning experience that your girls and my daughter and son get that they can never learn in a classroom. And it's just been a really powerful, a powerful experience to just kind of make your own way as a parent, you know? Well, and you really took it and ran with it too. So kudos, (laughs) kudos to you. But yeah, that, that story, you know, it doesn't, it, when you read that story, you know, I'm, I'm hiking with my daughter, there's bear scat everywhere. Um, it doesn't mean I'm not terrified. I mean, I'm still terrified. But the point is, it's, you know, you have to get to a place where you're weighing your fears with the benefit of the experience. And you have to be able to objectively look at that and say, yeah, I'm kind of scared yeah, this is a little uncomfortable. I don't have all the answers. I don't know how everything's going to go. And by the way, nothing's going to go according to plan, but the benefit of this experience is worth it. And we're going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, that really resonates with me. And that's been a similar experience for us. I mean, when we moved to Thailand last year, or I guess it was, yeah, we were there from 2018 to 2019. Um, you know, we, we went into it, not really fully kind of understanding what it was going to be like as a family living in Thailand. We had lived in a couple of countries before that without children. And I had a lot of moments early on living there where I had that same experience where it was like, wow, I really kind of don't know everything that's happening right now, or I'm not a hundred percent confident, but I feel like my kids are getting this 
amazing experience to really connect with other cultures, um, especially coming from Boise again, where it's a it's a very homogenous, beautiful but homogenous community. I knew my kids were never going to get to experience being around a lot of different people that that look different than them, um, around different cultures, being kind of an outsider in other cultures. I think that's a really profound experience. Mm-hmm. I agree. So I'd love to hear maybe one of your favorite travel memories that you have as a family. So favorite is so hard um, (laughs) because there are amazing moments during each trip. Um, But sometimes some of the favorite are not the favorite at the time. Like sometimes at the time it's so hard and you're like, what the heck are we doing here? This is so uncomfortable. But later you, you look back and you see the value in that. Um, when I think of being uncomfortable, one of the biggest things that comes to mind is staying in the Amazon in a, at a jungle lodge, you know, it's a thousand degrees, the electricity goes out, there's no running water, you brought your kids here, you know, but we got to go piranha fishing with them. Um, There was a moment where my, we were, we went on this hike and we had a guide with us you want to have a guide with you. Um, and my youngest was, she was maybe, oh, I don't know, five or six at the time. And we're walking down this steep, steep hill. And one of the guides, she's tiny and this guide is huge. And she reaches up for his hand to steady herself as they're, they're walking down this hill. And, you know, she speaks next to no Portuguese, um, and he speaks no English, but they had this connection that was just adorable, you know, um, he just was like, I'm going to take, he had daughters of his own, we got to meet, and he was just like, I'm going to take care of her, and then we get to the bottom of the hill, and she looks up, and she says, obrigada, like, we always make sure our kids know how to say thank you in any language, right, that's the most important word, that's your starting point, Um, and that was just, I don't know, it was just kind of adorable. It was, it was a wonderful moment, but we've had, we've had a lot of moments like that. We had Christmas in a very rural part of Tasmania one year, you know, there was no tree. Um, we had one little ornament that someone had given us just as a token of friendship. And we hung it up like in the living room on the, like, chandelier circa 1968 it was this old rundown weird house in rural Tasmania I mean it was a weird Christmas on Christmas day we went to um, Port Arthur um, one of the first prison settlements in Tasmania Um, so it, it was odd it was different but it was unique you know and that doesn't mean that we don't have years when we have Christmas at home in Boise with the tree and all the normal stuff but I, I think I think it's great too that you can show little kids that you can do that and still be adaptable. You can be so out of your element and but wait, it's Christmas, but but still do things in a unique way and have a great time. I think um later that day we had a Star Wars marathon because that was like the only media we had access to. And you know, it worked out fine. And it, it's it's um it's memorable. And that's, that's important. Um, you're creating memories that are not the same year after year. And they involve different elements, different places, different languages, 
and different cultures. And I, I think that's important. So I, th- those are just a few that come to mind. Oh, I love that. And I agree. You have to be, I feel like if you're going to do this travel thing, you have to be flexible, especially around the way that you celebrate different holidays. For Mm -hmm. us, we, um, we have a couple of specific Christmas items, decorations that we've brought with us, no matter where we are. It's a couple stockings, a Christmas star, some, maybe one or two other things. And those Mm -hmm. things just help kind of anchor the kids a bit, just to feel like they have something familiar but otherwise, I feel like they've been very adapt- adaptable, just like your children. And that's very intentional. I know you guys have done that since they were very, very small. Now, I want to ask the question that I know a lot of listeners are wondering at this point as they listen to you talk about all this travel and this very non-traditional lifestyle that you lead. How do you do this practically and professionally? So tell me a little bit. I know, but I'd like you to tell the listeners how you and your husband have created and designed your professional lives to support this life that you lead. So for most of the time that we have done this, we've done this while my husband maintains a real estate office here in Boise. So people are like, that's crazy. How can you do that? You can't do that, but you can. Um, You have to actively and consciously consider how you design your business and your work. So when he operated with a real estate office, he had to make sure that he had a team in place so that when, oh, we're going to go get on a plane, there's somebody else there who can um, show houses and do all of that stuff, the stuff that you have to be present for. But another thing that he would do that I now do with um, clients that I work with is when you are about to go on a trip, you suddenly become hyper productive and way more proactive in reaching out to your clients so that their fears are alleviated. And even then in the first maybe two weeks of a trip, you're calling them without them saying, I need to talk to you. You know, you're being very proactive in your relationship with them because they need that reassurance. They, they don't often understand that when you're traveling, you might be more productive for them than if you were at home because you, have, you don't have the same distractions that you have in your normal day-to-day life. Sure, there are other distractions, but it, it's different. And so being very proactive in terms of dealing with clients, if you're dealing with clients is important. I think for a lot of people, they, they do deal with clients in some regard. Um, travelers, you know, if you work on your laptop, you're probably communicating in some way with someone delivering some sort of content or responding to someone. So both Mike and I work in that capacity. So that's really important in terms of your job and keeping your job going. But it also goes back to that mindset of which would I rather have? Like, would I rather have my full commission on this job or would I rather have 50% of my commission on this job but get to live in Spain for two months? You know, for us, it's a no-brainer. For some people, not so much. They want that full commission, you know. But if you can have a team around you, if you can have solid people upon whom you can rely, then you can keep your work pace going smooth. That plus being very proactive on your own, then you can keep the job thing going um, pretty well. The other thing with uh, my husband and I is 
we work together often. Um, like right now, our desks are like four feet apart. So um, we're, and that's at home in Boise. So we're very good at working together and working in close spaces. So when we have to go and do that overseas, it's not a huge deal. It's not, you know, I don't feel like, oh, I've lost my personal space. We don't have any personal space anyway, so it's okay. Um, the other thing in terms of how we make it work logistically, um, you know, we're not trust fund kids or anything like that. Um, we don't have a ton of money to do this with, but we have found ways to do it where it is actually cheaper for us to go live in Brazil for two months than it would be for us to stay here at our home. When you factor in cost of living, when you use things like home exchanges, which we do a lot, airline miles, we do a lot. When you do those things, um, it, it can end up being, you know, actually cost you less or the same or only a little more. It doesn't have to be a super expensive vacation because when we travel, we're not pretending like we're on vacation. It's not fancy dinners every night or expensive theme parks or anything like that. It's more about living and working in another culture and experiencing that culture as much as we can. I feel like that's one of the great secrets that many of us who live this kind of lifestyle know. And that's that actually, if you do some homework and a little bit of research, you can live cheaper in these other places and travel for, you know, really not that much. What most people are used to is having one or two weeks a year where they spend five grand yeah. on a vacation to Europe, you know, or to Florida or something. And so we have this kind of anchor in our minds of what a, a trip should cost. And that's mm -hmm. for most of us that travel a lot. That's just not how we do things because yeah. it would be impossible to spend that much money on every single trip that you take, right? Yeah. Um, and that was one of the things that I got out of your books too, when I read them that you, you're really smart about kind of travel hacking your way to be able to have these amazing experiences in these incredible places without, you know, it being tens of thousands of dollars to do it. So yeah. it's, yeah, yeah, yeah it's we just, just a, couldn't do it that way. If that was the case, um, absolutely. It would just, we would be relegated to the, the one week a year, you know, maybe two weeks a year. But, and you, you, we sort of also adapt our, our spending level to the cost of living in a certain country. So for instance, we had no qualms about eating every meal out in Brazil. It was, you know, it's, oh, lunch for the four of us, it's $4 and 50 cents or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, now in Australia, that was not so much the case <laughs> in Australia. We, did some peanut butter and jelly. And, you know, I mean, we had to really dial it in because the cost of living was so much more. So we always sort of factor that in when we're planning and then attempt to adapt to that when we're there. Now, it's not, that's not to say we don't splurge on occasion or celebrate, um, especially when we first get somewhere, we're going out to eat. But then, you know, we'll often stay in a place with a kitchen. Like I said, we'll do a lot of home exchanges and so we find the grocery stores and we learn how to cook meals and, and you, sometimes you do that. And, and there's value in that too, you know? I mean, sometimes it's nice to 
sit down at a table in a home with your kids and restore a sense of normalcy, um, especially if anybody's feeling anxiety over, over your circumstances. So you sort of have to gauge it, gauge your finances, your cost of living, the place you are, and how every member of your family is doing and adapt to make sure it, you keep going smoothly. Mm, wise, wise words and I 100% on all of that. Now, a lot of the listeners of this podcast are writers or aspiring authors, and you have written seven books and co-authored two other books also, so nine books. How do you, how do, you do this and maintain this kind of schedule? I'd love to hear a bit about your productivity. Like, how do you, how do you get so much writing done? And it's, it's good writing, you know, you, you're, you're productive, you're getting books out. Tell me a bit about your creative process and how you make this happen alongside your business and and your, your traveling and all of that. Well, I will say there's never any one set way to do anything. So my writing process has changed with each book as, as they go along. Um, But I I learn as I go. I also have to adapt in terms of the fact that most of my books, the drafts were completed in a very short amount of time, as little as two weeks for one draft. Wow. Um, But but that for that to occur i have like five hours a day totally to myself you know to just focus on that and that's really hard so um a lot of the time for me to have a draft completed my kids need to be in school you know so i don't often write a draft while we're traveling i may do some editing of a draft while we're traveling but in terms of getting that draft, if I'm, if I'm writing to a really high word count, like 5,000 words per day, my kids need to be in school and I'm not, I'm not focused on a million other projects. Um, but again, it, it changes with each book. I've had books where I did the draft in 2,000 words per day. Um, I've had books where there's no schedule and it's just whatever and those never go as well um i am a big fan of scheduling things out um that that helps with my own peace of mind too i mean that that keeps me centered and going so there are so many things at play um if you have kids at home especially if young if you have young kids at home that's 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 tricky if you have a spouse um then having a supportive spouse is completely different than having someone who maybe belittles your little writing hobby or something like that. So I'm very lucky in that I have an extremely supportive spouse. Um, Even before I was ever published, before I ever knew if this would go anywhere, you know, before he ever knew if this would go anywhere, when he very very easily could have written it off as my little writing hobby, Um, but he didn't. And he would make time for me, you know, he would take the kids and I could go to, I would go to Barnes Noble and sit and write until they kicked me out. Um, So that the people around you, that's really important too. Um, And I always tell people, I'm like, if there's somebody in your life who is not supportive of your writing, stop talking to them about it. Just stop discussing it with them. They're, you know, they, they might not come around or 
they might, but who knows when. So you don't need that influence. There, writers have enough self-doubt that we struggle with. On <laughs> Isn't our own that the truth? <laughs> other people adding to it. Yeah. So those are a few things that I think have been really important to me. The other is like the mindset. And I, I've said, go back and coach myself 10 years ago. I would tell myself to stop worrying about failure and instead replace that with excitement about the possibilities, like excitement about the possibility of success. Instead of thinking about who's going to read it, who am I to write a book, nobody's going to read it, if they do read it, they'll hate it. Instead of going through that endless loop of negativity, start to think about like what would it feel like if I held my book in my hand? what would that feel like? And to so many people, that's like, wow, that would be amazing. That's my dream. So focus on that. Try to harness that energy and that will help you move forward. Um, so, uh, but I had to learn that the hard way. You know, I, <laughs> uh, I, I went through years of, of struggling with all of that. Now I'm, I'm at a better place with it, but I, a lot of it, I just learned by doing. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah. Well, and, okay. and that fear piece, I think, I mean, we both coach people in writing their books, right? And I'm sure that you've seen this in every single person that you've coached, no matter their, you know, success level, no matter how brilliant they clearly are, no matter how, how, de how developed their expertise is, every person who writes a book at some point feels some seed of self-doubt, self-criticism, and that, that kind of visualization that you mentioned of imagining that book in your hands. I use that too with the people that I coach because I, for myself, that is such a powerful anchor, you know, just to, to imagine it done, imagine somebody reading that book and their experience that that person will have because of something that you created. That's a really powerful a powerful thing to connect to when you're, you're kind of in the throes of, of self-doubt. I think another thing um, that ties into that is picturing one reader, picture that one person you're going to connect with, because a lot of people get caught up in like, how many thousands of copies will I sell or not sell? And, and, you know, well, what about what's so-and-so going to think? What's so-and-so going to think? Or what's Aunt Judy going to think? You got to push all of that out and focus on the one person who you, you are writing for and keep them in your mind. And because otherwise you will let all of these other people into your head and they'll get in the way of progress. And so you just have to focus on connecting with one reader. That's, that's what's important. Mm, that's such great advice. Um, I, it reminds me too, uh, have you read On Writing by Stephen King? Many times. Many times. Me too. It's one of my favorite books on writing. And he talks about how he writes to his wife, you know, like she's his one reader and it helps him stay really anchored to the thing that he's writing. And I a hundred percent, that's such a powerful, I mean, what's interesting is that marketers use this too, when they're creating ads and when they're creating content, it's kind of the same idea. Like you need to deeply understand that one person that you're writing the book to. And it's, it can really help when you're feeling, you know, stuck or afraid or yeah, you're having all this chatter of like, oh, what's so-and-so going to think about it? Yeah. So I'm 
I actually recently attended your master class that you did. Um, that's actually all about this, the entire book writing and, and publishing process. And I know you have another one coming up soon. I'd love for you to tell me a little bit about some of the things that you're looking forward to both online in 2020 and in person in, in 2021, because I know you have some really neat stuff coming up. Right. So yeah, I have, um, I have the master class on writing and publishing, just a really cute, you know, two week crash course on, on everything you should maybe know before you get started in this endeavor. Um, but another thing that, that we have scheduled is in 2021, in June of 2021, I'm hosting two luxury retreats in Mexico. So one is specifically geared towards writers and the other is for entrepreneurial couples or any, you know, forward thinking couples who are positive and like to think out of the box. You don't necessarily have to be a business owner or anything like that. Um, but we have been planning these retreats for quite some time. We have it dialed in. It's going to be amazing. Um, we had them scheduled for 2020 and COVID put that on hold. So we have just... We're just now in the process of securing our dates for 2021, and they're going to be pretty amazing, um, definitely unique experiences. They take place in a, a little town called Todos Santos, and it's, it's, um, it's not a spring break type place. We've been going there for 20 years now, so we really know the town and the community, so we're in a unique position to give people really fantastic behind the scenes almost experiences rather than what you'd get if you were just a tourist traveling through. So we're really excited about that. Yeah, it sounds absolutely amazing. And where can people learn more about all of the things that you have coming up? So one of the best ways is uh, the Facebook group, which is called Write a Great Book, a Community. And honestly, if you have any interest in writing, this is a great place to go because you can just post your goal and we'll keep you accountable. You can ask questions about writing. So again, that's called Write a Great Book, a Community. And in that, we'll be posting information on the upcoming retreats and the masterclass and, and other things we have going on. So that's a good place to connect. And it's not just you can connect with me there, but also with lots of other writers who, who bring varied experience to the table and they're all willing to share um, and, and help you through the process. Wonderful. And I know you also mentioned before we started recording that you have a, a free three-part video series as well, right? I do. And we can, we can um, give the link to that, but it's, it's completely free and it's just um, some information to get you started. If you think you might want to write a book, here's some things to keep in mind and some exercises you can do to get started on the process of writing your book. Wonderful. And that's at bookwrite.org. And yes. I will be sure to link all of the things that you mentioned in the show notes of this episode. Amanda, I think you are just super amazing. And thank you so much for this great conversation um, I, I'm excited to see what's next for you. Well, back at you. I think you're amazing too. And I can't wait to come visit you. Yeah. Not just in Portugal, but in all the places you end up. Cause it's I know I feel like, well, we have Thailand down and then it's going to be Portugal and then we'll just have to see what other countries 
yeah. we get to explore together. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining me today, Amanda. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. This podcast is produced by me, Stacy Ennis. Special thanks this week to Daniel Alexander for sound editing and Katherine Fishman for project support. These two make the show possible and I am grateful. You can access show notes at stacyennis.com slash podcast. And I will be sure, as I mentioned, to link all of the freebies and uh, community links and upcoming things Amanda has going in the show notes of this episode. As always, you can connect with me at stacyennis.com, on Instagram at stacyennis, or on Facebook at stacyennis creative. Thanks for joining me this week. I will be back in your ears before you know it. <laughs>